This Choircast podcast is brought to you by the book Too Much and Not Enough, Sacred Thoughts Said Out Loud by Karen Schock. This book is for anyone who has big questions about God and is feeling like a misfit among the people who seem to have it all figured out. Journey with me as we dive into the hard stuff and ask the questions no one else seems to want to ask. We will laugh and cry together. You will shake your head along with me as you read the real stories of anxiety and depression, parenting and marriage, and just plain living this life in the messy middle. I don't have all the answers, but my hope in writing this book is that you, the reader, will feel seen. There is a God who is big enough to handle all of our questions and more loving than we can ever imagine. Let's lean into this life together as we learn how to love and be loved in Too Much and Not Enough, available now on Amazon. Welcome to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese, one of your hosts, along with my friend Karen Schock, two midlife mamas of adult kids who've been through deconstruction, actually still going through it. We're going to be discussing all things faith and deconstruction. We're going to chat with guests who've had faith journeys that are beautiful, worthy of honor and exploring. And we're going to dive into different faith practices, ideas, and ways to connect with the divine without the religious baggage. Both Karen and my faith journeys are evolving, and they're filled with curiosity and a willingness to explore all things. Thank you so much for journeying with us here on Honoring the Journey. Welcome back to Honoring the Journey with Leslie Neese and Karen Schock. I am the Karen part of this duo, but I am here today with Leslie, my co-host, and i it's my turn to yep. interview Leslie and hear her story. And I, coming right out the gate, I have, I have not said this to you yet, Leslie, but I might have spent a few hours late into the night last night. I may have bought season 15 of Survivor, Survivor. China. Stop it. Oh my gosh. So and I, okay. Uh, sat down and watched uh, the first few episodes at least. Yes. And mm-hmm. then I maybe fast forwarded and watched the very last episode. Yeah, the reunion. Mm-hmm. But now I'm intrigued. Now I want to go back and see how this whole thing actually did play out. <laughs> and I will tell you, I said to my husband, Kevin, this morning, as we were eating breakfast and talking about it, I said, you know, Leslie and I, as we've gotten to know each other in these last couple of weeks, and if you've heard the first two episodes, so this is episode three, if you've heard the first two episodes, you'll you'll have heard that we have just gotten to know each other and we're excited to be on this journey together. And I told him, I said, I feel like we've been like twinsies. Like, you know, <laughs> there's so much we have in common, four children, 54 years old, menopause, all the things. Yes. Deconstruction. But... This is where we, this is where our roads divide in a big way, Leslie, because there is no way, and I'm going to say in hell, if there were a hell, (laughs) there's no way I would ever go on that show. Why? Why? Tell me Bugs, mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sickness. Mud. Hmm. Yeah. Check. Check. (laughs) Check it all. Yeah. Check it all. But, oh, my goodness. Uh. I'm proud of you as Aww. your friend. Thank you. But I also have 
so many questions. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we could do even like a, maybe a series, you know, on, down the yeah. road on let's, let's talk through this. Let's talk yeah. about each one of these. I want to say characters, but they're actually real people. They are. Yeah. And that's, what's crazy too, to watch it and go like, no, wait, these are actually real people. And I know one of them. <laughs> um, so out uh, right at the beginning of our last interview, when you interviewed me, you asked me, like, what is something from my evangelical fundamental days mm -hmm. that maybe I said or I did that I might look back on right now, like a cringeworthy moment or something where, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> ooh, that was, yeah, that, what a fun ooh, question to start with, right? <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. And I started out, I started my interview out with a little bit of a whopper, but even watching Survivor mm. last night. And watching you, and I think those might have been in the right in the middle of your evangelical fundamental days. Oh, yes. I yes. thought, wow, I wonder if there was anything even then that she said, which I'm sure, again, if we do an episode where we just talk all about it, you can yeah, divulge, yeah. divulge, is that the word? All of those, you know, all yeah. of the things that happened on there and where your relationships are with those people. Man, I want to hear that right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we're going to go back and just say, I'm going to just lay it out there. Anything that you said to your children, and if you go back and listen to last episode, you'll see what I said to mine, mm -hmm. or anything that you have in your past that maybe you would want to go back and say, oops, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, for one thing, there's like a billion yes. things that I'm like, what in the world? But I think probably the one that sticks out the most would be, uh, okay, so my son was in middle school. And they were having a field trip to the Renaissance Festival. And, you know, there's witches yes. at the Renaissance Festival. And they, they may cast spells or do something that I have no control over. My son may be exposed to something. And it will open a door for Satan to have all control in his life. All these fears were coming yep. up. So I called the school and said, I am not going to allow my son to go on this field trip. And they were like, really, it's not a big deal. You know, they tried. Um, and I was like, no, 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 Jesus, period. You know what I mean? Like he, yes. I felt so convicted that he was going to this, this Renaissance festival. So I was like, no. So my son did not get to go. Mm -hmm. And instead they made him go to school and sit in a classroom by himself and do, no. and do papers all day. And wow. like at the time, I was so proud of myself for being such a good mom and yep. so proud of my son for, you know, being this martyr, you know, to stay behind and make his big, you know, but the truth is he really wanted to go. All his friends were going. It was apparently a lot of fun. They took pictures. He felt very left out and, um, you know, he's 31 now. So we have right. lots of great conversations about things. And, and I asked him uh, not too long ago, I'm like, so I just want to know, like, how did you feel about me? He goes, mom, I, I knew what you were doing. I knew you were doing it to protect me. He said, but it was a little nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. So just so you know, I agree now, but at the time when you were so ruled by fear yep. um, and, and so afraid of the world um, 
And you're taught that you're taught that that's the way you're supposed to live, even though they say, you know, God says don't fear. And, you know, there is no fear in perfect love. And yet I'm just constantly trying to protect my my family because, you know, Satan's out to get them. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you hear that that quote, you know, God and Satan have wagered that you your life will be, you know, for them. And one of them is right. Who? will be right. You know? And so you're like, wait, so even though I'm a Christian, I still need to like be a- aware that like Satan is not only out to get me, but probably out to get me even more because right. I am now a child of God. So there, you know, we, they can say that there's no fear. And I remember saying, don't be afraid. I'm not afraid, but I was afraid The the underlying thing was fear. So one, one thing my daughter said to me recently, she's now 34. So okay. all my kids are now adults and, yes. you know, they've all deconstructed as well. So my, my daughter was like, mom, I just want you to know, I know you did some things <laughs> yeah. and you did them because you loved us. She said, every time in your life where you've been through something, I just want you to know, I have noticed that it always comes from a heart of love. Like your reason for doing everything that you've done for us has been because you loved us more than life. So right. don't be so hard on yourself. She saw me like completely just at their feet. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, she's like, don't, don't do this to yourself. It's going to be okay. You know, you were, your heart was in the right place. And I, and I think back and I'm like, you know, I know that about God. I know that that's how he is. He looks at our heart. And I've always taught my kids this, he, you know, he doesn't really look so much at your behavior, but like, what do you do with it? Like when you learn a lesson, are you going to learn and grow? Or are you going to keep doing that thing? You know? Yeah. And um, so I've taught them that. And I, I, I can see that my kids have a lot of grace for me because we have sort of gone through this whole thing together and it's been amazing. Isn't it beautiful how I do think when we have soft hearts, which we, We've talked about that. We're going to keep talking about that. But it's important. To, yes, to learn and to grow. When we have that, our kids actually can see that. And when mm-hmm. we're willing to go back and say, I blew it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry that I, you know, we've had to do that even with the spanking situation, how we spanked mm-hmm. our kids. Or, I mean, I can, we can go over 50 million things of what I did and how I've gone back and said, I'm sorry. Yeah. And when I do say that, they say the same thing that your kids said to you. Like, yeah. Like chill out. You're being a lot harder on yourself than they're being on you because they understand, they know how much you love them. And, and, you know, I think what broke my heart about your story, there's so many things broke my heart, but like, you rocking your children and saying, God, I love these kids so much. Like, I love them so much, but I love you more. Yeah, I love you more. Don't, don't worry. Like, I, I, they don't mean more to me than you. Like, I remember feeling that way. I remember thinking those thoughts like, oh my gosh, what, are my kids an idol? Do yes. I love them too much? Yes. You know, it says that you have to leave your family and you have to, you know, go follow. And I'm like, oh my word. Like, I don't think I could do that. Does that make me a bad Christian? And you know, I, I just think there's just so much pressure um, there was for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is my experience. And I, I'm getting some pushback, a lot of pushback from people in my past because I have recently started a TikTok talking about deconstruction, answering questions, trying to help them understand. I don't know why I think that's important. Um, I Yeah, I do know why. I know exactly why I think it's important um, because 
I have always been somebody who felt like I need to over explain everything. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you relate to that? I'm just, you know, yes. <laughs> yes. yeah. And, and I think I just want people to understand, like, I did not just like go, I feel like being a heretic. I'm going to go deconstruct. No, I <laughs> little by little things just didn't make sense. And the questions that, you know, it, it was not, it got a hold of me, not because I was out of fellowship or out of God's word. I was actually in his word more. Yes. And I think that's what really opened my eyes. I'm like, this is a God of love. And yes, he is just, I get it. I don't understand why I used to get so hung up on that. Like chill out on the God of love thing, chill out on all the grace, because there's also this part of God that like wants to strike you dead when you do something wrong, you know, and there's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I just had somebody like give a dissertation on my page about, you know, I posted something from Benjamin Kramer um, yeah. who, you know, said something about fear and they were like, oh, but the fear of the Lord. I'm like, yes, but like, please understand that that means respect. Like that word fear does not mean I'm terrified of God. So I'm going to do everything he says. It right. means you trust him and you love him and you, you, you fear him in a reverent way, not in a oh my gosh, if I don't do what he says, he's going to strike me dead or send me to hell. And I, I don't see God that way anymore. And I did for a long time. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I learned coming out of all of this and that really changed my perspective was Keith Giles uh, mm. taught in one of our courses, one of the courses that I took, just looking for answers, looking how to reconstruct this thing that has been, you know, deconstructed. But he used the verse, let me think of it. He used the verse that says that at the name of Jesus, every mm -hmm. knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And he said, you know, what? somewhere in our translation, it got taken out in the American or whatever translation, it got taken out that it says, really, every knee will bow and every tongue will joyfully confess hmm. that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I used to think it was the whole fear of God thing, like at the end. Yeah, whether you all, like it or not, your knees are going to bend you're and you're going to be bow. on your face. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you suckers, you're going to bow to Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. like. You say, no, now you're going to bow to him and there it's going to be, be a day. He's going to burn you forever after that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think when it says every knee will bow and every tongue will gladly confess, it's gladly, gladly confess that mm. Jesus Christ is Lord. Whew! Yeah, That takes a whole nother, that's a whole nother way of thinking about it. Yes. That is beautiful and the more beautiful way of Jesus. And so. Yeah, we lived in that fear for a long time, didn't we? We sure did. And I think it started, I mean, I'm going to like go all the way back. I want you to. I was going to yeah. say. Go yeah, back. I'm going to go all the way back. I'll try to do it quickly. And nope. just so you know, if you're listening and you're like, okay, I want to know her story more. This She's just kind of glossing over things. Uh -huh. I am writing a memoir right now. And it's called Honoring the Journey. At least that's what it's called right now. Um, the Deconstruction of Sister Christian. And I am, I am going into a lot more detail of my life story in this particular book, because honestly, I don't know. I, it's like therapy. It's better than therapy to get it out of my heart and onto paper. So um, that'll be kind of choir publishing this year sometime. I hope Yay. we'll see, but 
when I was, okay, so when I was a young kid, we didn't go to church or anything. But when I was about seven years old, my mom was a single mom at this time. And uh, her and my dad had been divorced for a while. And she had married this other guy. And it did not work out. And it was sad because we really liked him. He was he was my stepdad. And she ended up remarrying him later in life. Oh, wow. Big, long story. But anyway, she was a single mom at the time. And it was summer. And I was in between like second and third grade. And they were having a vacation Bible school mm-hmm. up the road. And, you know, it was a way for us to be out of her hair <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. And sure. so we went and, you know, it was at the school that I went to. So it felt very familiar, but, but what didn't feel familiar was what they were teaching us. I had no idea. It was the first time I'd heard about God. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time I'd heard about Jesus. It was the first time I'd heard about Satan and, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, the only thing I remember about God is that he was a father and I really didn't have a great uh, impression of what a father is. Right. Um, they left, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so I was like, oh, I don't know about this. The, even at that young age, it was like a check in my heart, like, ugh, you know, another guy who's going to leave, you know? But but the thing that really stuck out to me wasn't even so much about being saved or whatever, because I did. I think I ran up and said a prayer. I don't remember, but I'm, I don't know why I wouldn't because they were telling me about Satan right? and hell and you don't want to go there. And man, I, I, it was kind of like you went home to my mom, slept in her bed yep. for like ever mm-hmm. because I was so afraid. I would shake in my covers and sweat and cry. And then I would pull my covers over me like a cloak and run into my mom's room and just like shiver and she was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, the devil is coming up out of my floor in my bedroom. I would visually see this red horned creature coming up out of my floor. I was so afraid. Um, and that was when the fear really kind of started. Yeah. And, um, you know, why do we do this? Why do we tell people you have a choice? It's your choice to go to heaven or hell. Who would choose hell? Who would do that? Like nobody. Like right. I like it. It makes no sense that God would say, "I'm going to give you a choice," but then really, it's not your choice. But but it's almost like, and I, I said this to someone the other day. They did not like what I said, but to me, it feels like coercion. Like you you have this choice, but you know, if you choose this, you're going to burn for all of eternity, and right. that's horrifying. So do you really have a choice? <laughs> Wait, have, have you seen the meme? There's a meme out there where it's Jesus knocking on the door. Have you seen that? Like uh-uh. it, it's American Jesus, you know, in the robe and the white, white knocking blue eyes and blonde hair. And he, says, yeah. and he says, let me in or whatever. And they say, why should I? And they, and he says, Be, how does he say it? Because you don't want to know What'll happen if you what don't? What I'm going to do to you if you don't open the door? Well, <laughs> and you know, it's like that. What? When when you're told that you know everything, the way that the Bible was translated, everything is absolute truth. You don't even question it. It's like you know, um, and so you know, my my parents eventually got back together. My mom and my stepdad, and they started going to church and got saved. Um, can I ask what, what kind of church was it evangelical or? Um, it Okay. So this was back in the seventies, like late seventies. And so it was more, I think like a, 
an independent fundamental Baptist church. Okay. Yeah. We moved to California, went to this place that had a Christian school and, you know, my, my sister and I, it was just the two of us. And, you know, we were in this Christian school. We were, you know, there was the six inch rule. We had to burn all of our secular albums. Um, I remember watching my mom throw in her Elvis Presley albums and she Mm -hmm. was bawling. And I thought to myself, what kind of God like makes you give up Elvis Presley? (laughs) And why is he so bad? You know what I mean? Um, I remember one time my sister and I got into trouble at the Christian school. We, we took gourds and threw them against the pavement. I don't know what, why we just felt like it. I don't know. It was like the biggest rebellion, you know, of the year for the school, I think. So the pastor who was also like over the school called us into his office and paddled us. Like, no, 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 He did. Wait, and for throwing, go- for throwing gourds on the parking lot. And I think it was like, I don't know. It's funny because my husband and I went to California and I, we drove up to that church. I said, I just want to see it. Yeah. I had a physical, mm-hmm. like trembling, like felt like I was going to, th- I said, you need to leave. I, we need to get out of here. I was so afraid of these people and, and the way that we were treated. And when we left the church, we got hate mail. We got hate mail, like anonymous letters in the mail saying, we've saw your daughters in the backyard in their bathing suits, or I saw your daughter at the roller rink with her blue jeans on. And I mean, they were like watching us. It was so bad and so scary. Um, I'm surprised that any of us stayed in church at this point, but we did, but we moved to Okinawa and my dad was in the military, stepdad, um, went to a Southern Baptist church, which wasn't quite as bad, sure. um, but still very evangelical, sort of fundamental in some ways. And, yep. um, you know, we we would go, my dad was a deacon and, you know, I just never really, I was two different people. I was the person that I was supposed to be when I was at church, which yep. was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting, any youth group activity. You know, we were there. And my sister and I were basically the youth group. There was like maybe two or three other kids. Right. And um, <clears throat> there was another church on the island that had a huge youth group, but we weren't allowed to go there because they just weren't, they weren't the church for us, I guess. Um, and we always resented that, but we were, you know, we, we, we were a different kind of bad over in Okinawa because like there was no real drinking age. So we started drinking, making bad choices, me and my sister, and then we'd show up and be the good girl at church. So I learned how to play the game. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Um, and when I went to college, I ran. I was like, mm, don't want God. He doesn't want me to listen to Pink Floyd. He doesn't want me to, you know, wear clothes that I want to wear. He hates me I, because I still want to do these things. Why even bother? trying to have a relationship with a God who hates me. So I ran, ran away, never went to church. You were in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then where did you go to college then? Yeah. Well, when, you know, my stepdad being in the military, you have to claim residency somewhere in the United States when you travel all the time. Um, And so I was born in uh, West Virginia. So that's where I went to school. I went to Shepherd University, which was Shepherd College at the time, okay. and um, was a cheerleader and mm-hmm. dated the quarterback. You know, it was, and I dated a, the star basketball player my first year. And then, um, but the star quarterback of the Shepherd football team, um, his best friend came to visit the summer of 1988. 
And I stayed in, in West Virginia for that summer for some reason. I, his best friend ended up being the man who is my husband today. Okay. Uh, yeah, we started dating. Uh, it was it was a hard summer. My my roommate, we had four of us living in a house, and one of them was killed in a car accident. And it was like the first time I really thought about death. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if she asked Jesus into her heart. I wonder is she in hell? Because I didn't say anything. I should have said something, you know, it's the first right. time I started thinking like that. And, um, and Rod had lost his dad a few years prior. And so he was there for me, my husband, he, and Pat saw us becoming good friends. And one day he just goes, you know, you guys should date. And it was just like, Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we started dating. Um, but you know, me, I had been making some really bad choices through high school and college and ended up with they, what they call pelvic inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors in West Virginia said, you're never going to have children. Um, yeah, it was it was horrible. And Rod was with me through that. It was funny because he was like, ah, I don't like kids anyway. Let's get married. And I was like, all right. Um, so we we did get engaged eventually and then found out like two weeks later that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so And I was like, ah, yeah, and 19. Yet- kind of happy because now, you know, you can have kids. Well, and that's the thing. I went to my husband and he was like, well, don't worry about it. We'll just get an abortion. You know, no big deal. And I was like, eh, um, I don't think I'm going to do that. I said, right. I, I was told this was, I was never going to have children. What if this is a miracle? Sure. Like I still kind of had that, that thinking, you know, and I'm like, this is my opportunity. I said, and I told him, I said, listen, if you are scared, if you don't want anything to do with us, please don't stay. I can do this by myself. Like, I don't, I don't want to trap you. This is not, uh-uh, mm-hmm. this is your choice. And he chose to stay and yeah. fell in love with her the minute she was born. And, um, you know, we've since had three more kids. So we're at the four kid mark too. Um, and we've been married 35 years and it's just, it's great. He's my best friend. We've been through so much together, but, um, when our daughter, Stephanie, our oldest was four years old, she got the chicken pox and one of the, I guess one of the lesions, she got the flesh eating bacteria through it and it sent her into septic shock. And no, it was terrible. It was, I thought she was going to die. They brought a, they brought a, like a Catholic priest in when they were telling me and said, do you want to talk to the priest? And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Can I just go to the chapel? So I went to the chapel and I cried and I prayed and I said, God, I know you're mad at me. I thought he was taking her away from me because I had not been to church. Sure. I was not being the good girl that I was supposed to be. Sure. And so I said, okay, I, I, um, I'm going to make a deal with you (laughs) because you know, that's how God works. Um, I said, I will bring her to church. I will dedicate her to you if you just don't take her away from me. And I wasn't going to dedicate myself because I knew he didn't want me. I said, there's something about her that he wants. So I'm going to give, I'm going to completely put her like on the altar. You know, I, I really felt like that's what I needed to do. And she did survive. Um, she's got some issues like health issues, even to this day, she's 34 and, um, struggles with lupus and PCOS and a lot of the things because she had the strongest antibiotics at four years old. Um, and I think it really kind of messed up her immune system, but she's the most amazing, happy, lovely, I, I just can't, I can't say enough about her. Yes. I did take her to church, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
I, she got baptized. Um, and we just kind of watched her and she was so different in her faith than the way that I was brought up. It was more real and, and beautiful. And so Rod and I decided to take all of our kids to church at one point after nine 11, we were like, Oh God, yeah. you know, the world is ending. We got to take our kids to church. So we started taking our kids to church and we both ended up surrendering our lives to Christ mm -hmm. in February of 2003. Okay. And we went, I mean, all in. All we in. stopped drinking. I was a, you know, I was a fitness instructor, but also a smoker, which oh, really? makes no sense. I know it's so dumb. Um, and so I, I quit smoking. I like went full on in. No more cuss words. We drunk. We we just. It was like mm -hmm. God changed us. That's yes. we, you know. And so we went all in. And within a year, I was on the radio, Christian radio. I you know, as the morning show co-host, that's such a big, long story. It'll be in my book, but, okay. um, you know, started ministering, sharing my testimony, going around. And I, it made no sense that I had all these opportunities because I had only been really fully surrendered for like a year. Okay. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of the, the stuff I learned as a kid you know, I learned a lot of scripture and it was in my head yes. and it dropped into my heart. Mm -hmm. And so like something happened that night. I don't mm -hmm. know what it was. And, and I, and I felt like I was a new creation. I really did. Yep. Um, but the problem is as I was in ministry and as I was, you know, doing these things um, to help people, I was also dealing with, and very closeted, mind you, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression mm -hmm. because there was so much fear. I am a person who loves so deeply, like yep. so deeply. Even if I don't know you, my gosh, do I love you? Like I just love people. And the thought of anyone going to hell got me out of bed every day and yeah. made me get behind a microphone and share the gospel and do speaking engagements. And, you know, I was mentoring women and I was being mentored and it was I was just doing everything I could to make sure that nobody would go to hell, you know, like I had that kind of power, but um, right. no, sure. Yeah. And, you know, before all of this happened in 2001, I had started auditioning for survivor, um, which is a whole new thing. Um, and I think it would be kind of fun to talk about that maybe after the break. What do you think? I, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to talk about. Let's do this. <laughs> Okay, so right before the break, we were getting ready to hear this whole survivor thing. So <laughs> you just said, hold on, you just said before the break that you started auditioning in 2001. Yes. But didn't surrender your life till 2003. Yes. I want to yeah. know, can you just give me a little bit and you can make yeah. it quick, but I want to yeah. know a little bit about the audition pro. Like how, how did this happen? <laughs> okay, so, you know, it was right after 9-11. Um, I, uh, was watching the finale of Survivor Africa where Ethan won okay. and it was such a horrible season. I mean, when I say horrible, I mean, these people suffered. I mean, they didn't have water. They had to drink blood in, in a challenge. They were being stalked at night by like lions. I mean, oh, I just remember watching it like, what a bunch of idiots. Why would you do this on purpose? You know? Yeah. And I, and I think survivor for me up to this point was like, it was like a, an accident that you couldn't look away from. 
right? Like you're trying not to rubberneck, but you can't help it. You're <laughs> like, what is happening here? Why are these people doing this? And then I was watching the um the finale, and Jeff Probst, the show's host, mm -hmm. was like, So who who of you would do it again? And like every single person said they would do it in a heartbeat because they learned so much about themselves. They grew so much as humans. And something in me that night just was like, you're going to do this. Oh, wow. And I got up out of my bed. It was like 11 o'clock at night, printed out the application. It's like 12 pages long, filled it out, decided on what I was going to do for a video the next day, and then filmed the video the next day. And it, I had to make a VHS tape. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. And 2001 um, yeah. had yeah. just started and I was like, I'm going to be on Survivor. So I did this audition tape. You have to send in a two to three minute video why you would be the ultimate survivor. So I talked about being a mom of four and they were my tribe and, you know, and here's what you need to be able to survive a minivan and bubble baths and, you know, all the things. It was, yeah. it was funny but, and it was really poorly done. But, you know, I, I was like, just waiting for my, my call. I just knew it was going to come and it right. didn't. And I was so sad. And, um, so then I tried out every six months for five and a half years. And when we surrendered our lives to Christ in 2003, my husband and I literally sat down and went through everything in our lives. What are we going to keep? What are we going to get rid of? And when we came to survivor, I was like, I really feel like I'm supposed to still do this. And he was like, why? I want to understand. Yeah. And I said, me too. I, I feel like I went from being the daughter to the, to the wife, to the mom. I have no idea what I'm made of. Right. I don't know what it's like to just live for me and do, will I like it? Probably not, but I, I need to know what I'm made of. And I believe that God is telling me to keep trying. And I said, and I can't tell you how I know that. I just know. And he was like, that's all I need to hear. And so every time after that, we would put our hands on the application, we would pray over it. Okay. And the, the specific prayer that I would pray is, Lord, if it's my time, like help them to see this and, you know, give me favor. If it's not the right time, I don't even want them to see it because if they call me and I don't get picked, I'm going to be so sad. And so I, it, we did this every six months for five and a half years. And I remember when I had my, I had a hysterectomy in 2005, apparently I woke up from the surgery. I don't remember this, but my husband told me, I said, this is one less thing I'll have to worry about when I get on Survivor. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right? Right? I'm like, okay, I don't remember it, but it sure sounds like something I would say. And makes real yeah, good sense. Makes a real good there. sense. And it was very helpful, I will say. Um, but like, I think it, it became more about like, okay, I'm a Christian. Wherever I go, I I take Jesus with me and these people need Jesus. So I need to be on Survivor. Um, I remember when they called me finally, um, it was March 7th. No, no, March 8th, 2007. Did well, you this, do a different audition tape every six months? Every single six months, yes. And so and, now are you Sister Christian when you're doing it? Like, are you talking more about your religion oh yeah. and your faith? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I was, a, I was a Christian radio host. Um, right. Yeah, they love that. And the funny thing is when I auditioned to be that morning show host, I told the manager, I said, one day I'm going to get picked for Survivor and I need you to know that up front. I'm going to need some time off and I don't want you to be mad about it. 
Wow. And he was like laughing. He was, <laughs> he's like, oh, would you jump out of an airplane? I'm like, heck yeah. And so that was the first thing I did as the morning show co-host was jump out of an airplane with a bunch of dads for Father's Day. No, like you did not. I did. And you know, it's funny. I'm so afraid of heights. Literally, I was like a cat over a bathtub when they were trying to get me out of the plane. But I did it. And I will never do it again. It was, was horrifying. Say- but I did it. And I was so proud of myself. But when he asked me that, I thought it was like just an interview question. Like, oh, so would you jump out of an airplane? I was like, heck yeah. Um, I didn't realize I was actually going to have to do it. But anyway. Wow. um, Yeah. So she calls finally. And I'm on my way to Target because my daughter, my third child, and my youngest were with me in the back seat. And we were headed to Target because she, my third child, had forgotten that she had this big project due literally the next day. So I'm in the worst mood. I'm going to get project you know, supplies at Target. And I get this call from a private number. And she's like, this is Donna from Survivor Casting. Is this Leslie? And I said, shut up. (laughs) And I thought it was like a friend playing a joke on me because I was so obsessed. Like I knew I was going to get on the show one day, but I was like not expecting it. She goes, no, I'm serious. I, she goes, but I, I need to tell you, we really love your application, but we can't find a video for you. And I just started laughing and I pulled over And I was like, please tell me you're kidding because like I have auditioned 11 times and you have, you have got to have a video for me somewhere. She's like, I don't. And I said, well, I have one I can send you. So I sent her a video that actually a listener at the radio station made for me for her final exam as a, um, a videographer, you know, whatever. Wow. So I sent her that and it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's hilarious. Um, So I sent that video. They loved it. As a matter of fact, they use that video even to this day to show people this is what we want in a video. So yeah, it's like they just want to know who you are and what you're about. And so anyway, yeah, she she called and I said, I said, you know, it's funny. I've been I've been waiting for your call for years. And every time that I send out that application, my husband and I put our hands on it and we pray over it. And we say, if this is the time, have them call. If it's not, I don't even want them to see it. And she said, well, I will tell you, I've never seen your stuff come through. If I would have, I would have called you. And she said, she goes, but you know, I'm seeing it now. And, and I said, well, I guess I need to pack my bags then because my prayer said that, you know, if, if they call, I want it to be the time. So I ended up getting selected. It was a long process um, of interviews. I remember they asked me a lot of questions about my faith. Um, Okay. Like, for, for instance, Jeff Probst walked into the room. He, I don't know if you know who this guy is. He's the, the host of Survivor. The host, okay. He's yes, so he is. cute. Yeah. And I, he had just walked in and the, one of the producers said, all right, Leslie, when's the last time you sinned? And I said, well, when Jeff Probst walked in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he liked that answer. So anyway, yeah, I, I knew they were going to be putting me on because of my faith. I knew that was part of it. And, um, you know, so of course they picked me for China. They have this big welcome ceremony at a Buddhist temple. I'm uncomfortable the entire time. Um, because I would have I, been too. I just want you to know yeah. as I was watching it and thinking. Where I was in my faith. Yeah. Little cringeworthy. Yeah. But I was, I mean, Kevin and I were both looking at each other and I was like, I would, I would. You would have done the same thing at the time. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. A lot of people say, do you regret that you did that now that you're deconstructing? And I was like, no, no, I did the right thing for me in that moment. 
it was, it felt wrong. I felt yep. like I was betraying God. Yep. And it's not even that I was afraid of him. I just didn't want to break his heart. You know, I, I remember thinking, I remember thinking if I bowed to this statue of Buddha, it would be like if I were to make out with the neighbor guy and then tell sure. my husband, well, honey, I was thinking about you the whole time. Like he would have been like, well, yeah, but you kissed him, you know? You understand though, God, I just really wanted to win Survivor. Well, and that was the thing. <laughs> here's here's what I believed. And I still believe, I don't know what, I don't know. Yes. I believed at that moment that God gave me that as a gift to oh, enjoy okay. the game because in that moment, you know how we used to rack our kids and say, I love my kids more than I, you know, right. I don't love them more than you. I would say to God, I am so I want to be on Survivor so bad, but God, I don't want this more than I want you. I don't want this more than I want you. And in that moment, I knew I did not want it more than I wanted him because I thought they were going to take me out of the game. Yeah. They said, if you offend the Chinese culture, we will take you out of the game and put your alternate in. And so I thought I was done. Right. So in that moment, I was like, now I can enjoy the game knowing that I chose God. They kept me in the game, of course, they ended up calling me Sister Christian, and they yeah. only showed when I talked about God. They didn't show any of my lying or my cussing or my, you know, anything that I did wrong. They only showed everything I did that made me look like a complete lunatic, which is hilarious. Um, because in a way, and it's funny when I came back, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" You know, they showed they didn't show any of the bad things that I did. I was I looked like such a good little Christian girl, and I thought, "Ew, yeah, ew." you know, like, why did I like that so much? Like, it's okay to be human. I remember saying a cuss word when I got thrown off a boat once and I bawled my eyes out. I was like, they're going to show it. And yeah. Courtney, one of the girls on the show, she hugged me. She goes, mama, you're human. It's okay. And I was like, it's just not, I'm going to lose my job. You know, I made God look bad. And I came back and I remember praying one morning, like, God, I'm so sorry if I made you look bad. And and it was like you said, and I, what did, was it? Hit? I don't know. Like, you're not that powerful. Right. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I'm the God of the universe. Please, please, lady. There's no way. Yeah. And, you know, so this is where I was in my faith at that time. But yeah. being on Survivor, meeting people who were outside of what I was used to. Right. Um, I was in a Christian bubble in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a local celebrity Christian yes. who was speaking constantly, writing books, writing Bible studies. I was like, so in, um, and Oh, can I just tell you what broke my heart recently? Yeah. Somebody from that time in my life found out I was deconstructing and on my Facebook page said, and I might cry when I say this, <sighs> she said, was your life just a lie? Right. And I was like, no, like it was so real to me. Yes. And I still look back fondly at the good times, but I cannot deny that down underneath of all of that, mm -hmm. I was so afraid and I was so sad and it didn't make sense to me. You know, I had a thought one time, like my dad, my dad, who is, you know, who left, I mean, when I was six months old, I love him. He loves me, but we don't really have a super tight relationship. We just never, it's always been so hard. Mm -hmm. And like, there's nothing that I could ever do that would make him want to send me to hell. Right. And if this father 
who I don't really have much of a relationship with would never do that to me. Why would the God of the universe who claims to be my good father, why would he? Right. Like it didn't, like I started just having all of these, like Leslie, think about it. Like I met a guy on my tribe who was a, um, a gay Mormon flight attendant. And he made the assumption that when I found out he was gay, that I wasn't going to want anything to do with him. And I was like, why do you say that? He goes, I know how Christians feel about me. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. It's like, oh my gosh. Like it just, it was so eye-opening to get out of my bubble and to be around these people who I fell in love with. I know I'm supposed to be cutting their throats in a terrible, vicious game, but it's not, they knew I wasn't going to win when they put me on there. They knew I was going to make some sort of weird impact. And I did, but yeah. like, I, I wanted to win, but I knew, man, my, I just loved them. They called me mama. Yeah. You know, some of them call me sister Christian, which is hilarious. Um, but I think that's when I really started to go, is it really true? You know, my messages before I went on Survivor, when I would speak at churches was like identity in Christ and, you know, how to be an amazing Christian. And when I came back, my messages were, we suck. Uh (laughs) We need to love people better. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what they think about us guys. Like I went out in the world and now I know this is how we are perceived. Are we really living like Jesus? Like I started to say things that were really convicting people. And I don't know that they liked it a lot. Was this um, on the radio? Radio, everything, every, all of my messages changed. Um, okay. It was all still in a biblical vein. You know, I was still yeah. very much trying to live as a Christian, but I was trying yeah. to like get people to wake up. Mm-hmm. Like this is not, I don't know. And I started to wonder about homosexuality and I would ask questions like, why, why do they go? I don't get it. Why is this such a big deal? To God, well, it's an abomination. Okay, well, how many abominations are there in the Bible? Let's look at them. Hundreds, right? And right. some of them are pretty dumb. So right. I'm like, d- would God really like say your sex life means this much to me that right. I'm going to exclude you? And I know when I say things like that, my Christian friends are like, oh, you sound like the serpent in the garden when you said, did God really say? Okay, maybe I do. Maybe I do sound like that. But did God really say this? So I looked it up and I'm like, where's, okay, homosexuality wasn't even a word until 1868. Like it wasn't even a word. And how did it get in a Bible that was, you know, over 2000 years old? So something was mistranslated. Something's happening here. So I start seeing these things. I start talking about it. You know, what Christian friends would say to me is, well, Leslie, are you, are you struggling with homosexuality? Is that why you care? I'm like, no, I'm struggling with the fact that I love these people and I don't want to tell them that they're going to hell. This makes no sense to me. And, you know, so the questions and the, where did the Bible come from and who translated it? And, you know, why isn't this book included in that? And all the different things. And I I started to understand things. um, but this wasn't necessarily, you were understanding these things, but not necessarily. Oh, I was publicly. not talking about them. I was not talking. I was, I felt like I was a heretic. I felt like I got to get out of church because I'm going to bring these people down. I 100%. wanted to protect them. I was yep. trying to protect my brothers and sisters in Christ from yep. me because yep. I was such a heretic, but I couldn't, I couldn't put this away. It was terrible. So then I stopped going to church a little bit in like 2016. The whole Trump thing had me 
feeling some kind of way. And, um, and then 2020, oh goodness. Anyway, um, I moved at this point, my family, my husband and I moved from the Bible belt to Utah. Okay. So now we're living amongst the LDS religion. And what took you to Utah? The mountains. I mean, we, we love the mountains and all of our kids had grown. They were all in, you know, either in college or moved out. And we were like, we want to live where we want to live. So we just decided to just you know, move. And we could have lived in a, in a couple of different places, but we really felt like this is where we wanted to be. And as we were moving here, all my Christian friends were like, oh, you're going to be such a light to these people. They're so deceived and Uh they're so lost and God is going to save people and blah, blah, blah. Well, I move out here and I meet the Mormon people or the LDS people as they like to be called. And they are freaking awesome, lovely people, just trying to love God, trying to follow Jesus the way that they've been taught. And everything just unraveled everything. I just realized they were saying a lot of the same things that I said, like, Oh, we don't know the answer to this, but we'll find out when we get to heaven, his ways are, you know, so much bigger than our ways. And we're not meant to understand. And I was like, wait, I've said that. Or, you know, some of the things they would do kind of like what we did. And I'm like, wait a minute, we are all just these human beings trying to connect with God or the divine or whatever it is that we call it, because we know there's something more than us. We're doing it the way we've been told. We've been doing it the way the the culture that we were brought up in is teaching us. And we're all trying to do the same thing, which is to find joy and to love people and to be accepted and to be included. And like, I would have never seen that had I not gotten out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, you were talking about the homosexual aspect of everything. And I remember the first time, so it was probably around 2015, around in there, like somehow I decided, you know what, I I have questions. And so I'm going to call my cousin who was on Facebook. I hadn't seen him in years, but he's about my age. And he had come out when he was in high school, when it wasn't popular, a popular, you know, like it was a hard thing for him to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't had any kind of relationship with him. He saw me as a Christian on Facebook and that kind of thing. And I I was like, I messaged him and I said, Chad, I have some questions for you. And I said, could we talk? And he called me and we had this conversation. And in the middle of it, one thing was said, there were so many cool things that were said between the two of us. But one thing he said was, you know, you guys are all, you Christians are all so afraid of us. He said, but I want you to know we're afraid of you. Hmm. And that blew my mind. That right there, I laid in bed. We're so loving. (laughs) What are you talking? How could you be? What? We're Christians. How could you be afraid of us? I love you so much that I don't want you to stay the way you are. Oh, I just, I Hmm. laid in bed at night and and I, that part is in my book. Like, when are we going to stop the insanity and look at and listen to them? Yeah. And not listen to try to pick apart their story or to try to apologetics them into the ground, but to listen to them because they are worthy of being listened to and, and understand that, like, I just, it's funny, a lot of, oh, I'm getting so much pushback from people who used to respect me and now they don't, which really sucks. I mean, that sucks. It does. Um, But it's the price you pay for speaking out. And, And I think that's why I was quiet for so long because I just wasn't ready to be a heretic. Right. I and wasn't ready. Disrespect, like 
but there comes a point, and I think you and I are a lot alike in this, where do you want them to just love us and for mm-hmm. who they think we are or, right. you know, like, mm-hmm. or do we want to be loved for who we really are? And <clears throat> I just have always been authentic. And I could see that watching you in Survivor mm-hmm. on TV, yeah. which is crazy to me that people are still watching that. I know if, it you is. Know, they, if you if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch every seat. You can binge watch Survivor. Thing. Are, yep. I have friends that are watching it now going through all the seasons. So you're still being watched. Well, and and do you understand the reason why I feel so passionate about being vocal is not because I'm trying, as I've been accused, to be a evangelist for unbelief. That's not what I'm trying to do here. It's just that the world knows me as Sister Christian. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watches Survivor I mean, that was 2007. Like things have like a lot has changed. Mm -hmm. I am not the same person. And so if I don't say anything, that's, I'm never going to be able to be myself. Right. And that is like, I felt like I was handcuffed Mm -hmm. to sister Christian. Like that, like you can't do anything because then people are not going to like you. People aren't going to respect you. People are going to think you're a liar. Right. I'm not a liar. I'm evolving. I'm growing. And, and I, it's that progressive. I know people hate the word progressive, but it, it's either that or regressive. Like, which, what is it? Right. Like, I mean, would you want to just stay in one spot? I don't feel like that's even, if you, if you want to call the biblical card, that's not even biblical. I think when I realized, and I think the biggest aha moment for me was like, it's not about theology, Leslie. Yeah. It's about love. Mm-hmm. And so I choose to believe things different now, things about like, I don't look at homosexuals as, oh, they're going to hell. I don't believe that there is a hell. These are all things that when I, oh, I know when people hear this and they're Christian, that makes them so uncomfortable. I get it. I totally get it. Right. But, but I'm going to tell you right now in letting go of those beliefs, I am no longer on anxiety medicine. Right. I'm no longer on depression medicine. I feel a lot more steady, uh, you know, mentally. Um, and that can't be wrong. Like, I I know it's not about feelings. I Listen, all the freaking arguments that people give me for, oh, you shouldn't believe this way and you sound like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I know, but I am not going to deny that when I love somebody, regardless of anything, instead of judging them, or when I, instead of looking at people as projects that need saving, I look at them as fellow humans on this journey that deserves to be, their journey needs to be honored as well. Like every journey deserves to be honored. I don't care what journey, what journey you're on. I don't care if you're a different religion, if you're the religion that I was, if you're no religion, you know, we are in this together. And if we don't stop us versus theming, this world will not survive. We have got to understand this. Right. And the verse from the Bible just keeps coming to my mind. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a clanging freaking gong. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I was a clanging gong. Like, yeah. And and so, yeah, we can get in all the trouble in all the world about from people that believe the same way we believed, believed for a long time. Yeah. That it's not loving to tell people to tell people there is no hell, but wow. When I've learned the things I've learned and I've studied the things I've studied 
and I think, and I know you have too, and I'm so excited to learn from you um, as this journey goes on. I feel more like Jesus lives mm. through me, whatever mm. that means, however that is right now yeah. than he ever did before. I totally agree. And here's what I've realized. Jesus was crucified because he didn't fit into the religious or the political systems. He did things out of the box that were accepting and kind and loving and real and genuine and, and they didn't like it. Yeah. And they called him a heretic and they called him, you know, they thought he was in, in cahoots with Satan. And yet we've made him into yet another religion. Mm -hmm. Um, Many, many of them actually. Um, And those religions are divisive. You know, it's a, it's not only do you box God into your religion, but you box people out. Like, I don't know. To me, it's like, I think Jesus came to show us in, in what I see, he came to show us that we have the divine, we have God in us already, and we need to live like we do. We need to tap into that. It is scriptural. (laughs) Tap into the divine in you and live in love. Yeah. Period, as my kids would say. Period. Period. (laughs) It's really, it's so simple. No. (laughs) It's simple. Like, and and also the kids last night at the game, I don't know how many times I heard it. It's not that deep, Miss Shack. It's not that deep. And so, like, that could be that could be our new, you know, it's 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 not that deep. It's not that deep. Yeah, I don't know. I here's the thing, and here's what's beautiful about where I'm at in my faith now. I could be wrong. Hundred percent. I could be wrong, and you know, a lot of people will listen to that and go, "Yep," and you are. You can think that all you want, but guess what, babe? You could be wrong too. Like all of us could be wrong. So that's why I choose to look at God as what He has described Himself as: He, She, They, whatever. Yes, love. Mm -hmm. God is love. God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. God said, love your enemies. Why would he send his to hell? Like I am just trying to, to simplify. God says he will make all things new. Right. Right. All things. All, yeah. all means all, mm-hmm. like all those things. We, so we can anyway, go on forever. We really could, but you know, we're running out of time. So um, that I, I hope that my story made sense. Cause I felt like I went through things pretty quickly, but like I said, Got a book coming out this year, goes yeah. into a lot more detail. And and you have a book coming out this year. When is yours coming out? Do you know? Or no, I don't. I have don't? it is not finished yet. Yeah, mine either. So but we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Little yeah. by little. And and I feel like not only do we have books coming out, but we have this podcast where we can just keep discussing. We can keep just keep talking. We can just keep well. And I am in a place in my life where I'm okay with admitting if I learn something different. Like I hold everything so loosely now. Wasn't that a great place to be? You're so afraid to be wrong when you're, you know, walking in such fundamentalism. It's like hard Mm -hmm. because you feel like you have to defend everything all the time. I don't feel that anymore. I'm just sharing where I'm at. Like this is how I see things. Sure. This is how I see it. And you don't have to see it that way. And I don't need you to in order to feel like I've done something. I just want you to know where I'm at because I think we're all somewhere. And I think we all need to know that that's okay. I love it. I love it. What a beautiful story that is still in the works. We're still. Oh, yeah. We're not over yet. I love that. Yeah. You never know where we'll be in a year or two. You know, it's like 
this is a journey and it's a beautiful one. And we got to stop being so hard on people for having a journey that's different than ours. Exactly. So anyway, well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you hanging out with us today on honoring the journey. And I do feel very honored right now that I was able to share my journey with you. So, um, you know, don't forget, we do have a Facebook page. Just look for Honoring the Journey podcast. It is a private page. You have to ask to join. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a secret word. No, I'm kidding. There's no secret word. But we just, <laughs> we want to see your name when you come in. So that's why we do it that way. And also we want to make sure that um, you feel safe. You know, that it's hard, especially if you're still one of the invisibles. You're yeah. somebody who's not really telling anybody where you're at. You're just having these thoughts and these doubts and these questions. And you just need a safe place to to lurk you know, we're good with that. We just want you to learn as much as you can, but, um, thank you for joining us today. And you know, the next one, what are we even going to do next? Do we even know? No, but we'll talk about it as soon as we shut Mm -hmm. this thing down today. Yeah, we will. And (laughs) you know what, whatever it is, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a journey and it's going to be honored and, uh, it's going to be so much fun. So thank you for joining us today. And we would love to hear from you. You can always email us honoring the journey podcast at gmail.com. Have a great day.